Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. My name's John or Ash. Good to be here with you guys this morning. I agree with you, Matt. Looks like Valentine's Day. Many men wanted to give their wives the gift of not going to the service this morning. (laughs) Sweetie, we don't have to go. (laughs) Um, So... Last week's gathering, I really appreciated it. If you were here, I thought that was really cool because um, I really think we are meant to participate in, in our worship on a regular basis together. So, uh, yeah, anyway, I really appreciated last week. This week, we're starting a new sort of series and a new season, and this season is called Lent. Uh, and we're doing a, a series called Hold Your Questions. Uh, and basically, when, you know, I'll, I'll get into it a little bit, but I want to I talk a little bit about this season of Lent. Who, who here has heard of Lent? Anyone heard of Lent? Pretty good. So Lent, I, I made a slide just to tell you what it means. Uh, it means, John, I'm, I'm relying on John. I did slides this week. There it is. Springtime. <laughs> I'm not much of a slides guy, so bear with me. Uh, Lent, literally, it just means springtime. So you could just call it springtime if you want, but we call it Lent in the church. It's a religious holiday. It's, uh, if, if you've been, grown up in the church, you've probably heard it, but you still really don't know what it is or what it means. Uh, if you're new to church or religious services, it means springtime. So... Uh, it's nothing mysterious, there's no magic in the word, but I wanted to just give you a little bit of uh, background. So, uh, technically the Lent season kicks off with Ash Wednesday. Now, Ash Wednesday, boom, look at that. Ash Wednesday is 46 days before Easter, which is our Resurrection Sunday. And during Lent, you would fast for 40 days, except the Sundays. So you'd fast Monday to Saturday, but Sunday you wouldn't fast, okay? So those of you that said, I'm doing this fast for Lent, today's your cheat day. <laughs> like, really, this is your day to, to not fast from chocolate or Facebook or whatever it is that you chose to give up for 46 days. Technically, you're supposed to fast Monday through Saturday, and then the Sundays you would have off from the fast. But we kick it off with Ash Wednesday, and on Ash Wednesday, you would go to a service in the morning, and a, a priest or a rabbi or a, not a rabbi, a priest or, a, uh, or a, pra- a pastor would come and they would dip their, their finger in ashes and they would make the sign of the cross on your head. And generally they would recite one of two verses. Um, usually it started with Genesis 3.19, which was remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. Uh, has anybody ever experienced this service before, an Ash Wednesday service? Or maybe anybody go this, this year? Anybody go this week? No? Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> that way you don't know. <laughs> so whatever I'm telling you is correct. Just kidding. <laughs> there was a revision in the rite, the, the religious rite that, the, that they had put together, and they, they, they started reciting from Mark chapter 1, verse 15, and that verse is, the time is fulfilled, 
the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And I just, to me, those words are very weighted and religious and convoluted and complicated and there's a kingdom in there and there's repenting. And so what if you, you could also say now is the time, God's reign is present, change your life and believe some very good news. So this season brings with it a refocusing of your life, a reorientation of what is important, what grounds you, and what shapes you. That's what the Lent season is about. That's what springtime is about right now. There's new life in springtime, right? Uh, Around here, life kind of comes out all the time because we live in Southern California, but in other places where there is varying climate, (laughs) you know, it's built into the fabric of the universe that things die and then they're reborn, right? Uh, Or new life comes. So, in this season, we are holding our questions, uh, and this was the only slide I could find for holding your questions, Um, but but when, you know how when you're in a seminar or a lecture, they would say, would you please hold your questions till the end? Uh, The reason why they say this as a speaker or communicator is because the hope is that along the way your question will be answered, right? That that hopefully as you keep talking and you keep talking and they're ignoring your hand and then eventually they say that thing that you had to ask the question about and your hand goes down and, you know, we, we all sort of start out a time with our hands up like, hey, what are you talking about this morning? <laughs> Where are we going? Where are you taking me? You know, what, what do you mean Lent? What do you, and so questions would inevitably come up all the time, but this season that we're entering into, we're going to hold on to our questions, okay? We're on a journey of anticipating something wonderful, which is the resurrection of Jesus. And I think questions are tremendously important. I don't want you to get the wrong idea. I'm not saying discard your questions. I'm not saying your questions aren't important. I'm not saying don't ask questions. I'm saying hold on to them. For this season, let's fast from questioning God. Just for a little while. Let's hold on to our questions, okay? Don't get rid of them because they're very important. But perhaps along this journey toward the resurrection, some of those questions will be answered. Do you follow me? Okay, so I have tons of questions for God and for Jesus, as I'm sure you do too, and I just wanted to take you through some of the questions that I have and that many others have had. So is there life on other planets? Uh, What is the meaning of life? What happens to us when we die? Why don't we use all of our brain power? Uh, These are questions I have for God. Why did you create us in this way? Uh, But that leads me to like different questions that are not as profound, like why are some french fries curly and some are crinkly and some are straight? Um, You know, you you just start going down different roads and it takes you to these places. And then also some more questions, why am I shaped like this? These questions, why did you allow, and then you fill in the blank to happen. Why did you allow that to happen? Why do bad things happen to good people? How do you heal people? Honestly, like, I become like a, my three-year-old who just asks questions all day long. Uh, and I'm sure you have a list of questions, do you not? For God. Um, you know, h- how come we can't travel through time? How come I can't fly? 
how, how can you teach me how to calm storms? Can you show me how to walk on water? Can, you know, there's all sorts of, you know, why are Cheetos orange? There's all sorts of different questions that we have. And, and in this season, could we just maybe look at what are the questions that God has for us? What are the questions that Jesus asks? And have we spent any time on those? Because most of the time, we're coming with our questions, our issues, our bewilderment. What is going on? Why is this happening? And have we stopped for a season (laughs) to just listen to what he might be asking us? So we're going to be focusing particularly on questions from the Scripture and particularly ones that Jesus asks, and we're going to begin today with one from the book of John. So if I could get ushers to pass out some of these Bibles, and if you have a Bible, could you please turn to the book of John, chapter 1, and you can follow along with me. I'll have it up on the screen as well here. You can read it, Uh, but it I'd encourage you to get, into the, the, get in the habit of flipping to things in the Bible or scrolling or tapping, whatever, how you get there. If you're reading on your phone, that's fine, or on a tablet. Uh, we're going to look at one of Jesus' questions today. Now, John wrote his gospel later than all the others. So he, he took more time to kind of piece it together, and it's, uh, it's really a beautiful piece of literature. And uh, let me read here for you these three verses that we're going to focus on, or actually, sorry, four verses. This is actually 1 through 35 through 39. Uh, The next day, John was again standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, look, here's the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, what are you looking for? And they said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. Some sort of random details there. Uh, So there it is, John chapter 1. And these are kind of, this is kind of the passage known as the first disciples. Now, this question seems pretty innocuous at first glance, which is, what are you looking for? Uh, but, and I know, I know if, if you really sit with it, you can actually see how profound it is. So I, I know I've shared this thought before you before, but imagine you're walking along and there is someone in front of you that you're just following. Uh, you haven't really... You don't really know why you're following that person yet. You're following them, and they turn around and they look at you, square in the eye, and they say, what are you looking for? Now you know who this person is. This person created the heavens and the earth. This person created you. This person knows you better than you know yourself. This person has the answer to every single question that you could ever ask. 
this person can fulfill your heart's desire in a moment. This person looks you square in the eye with the power to give you whatever you could ever possibly want and to answer any question you could ever want answered. Looks you square in the eye and says, what are you looking for? How do you answer that question? What are you looking for? Other ways you could translate this is, uh, what are you seeking? Or essentially, what do you want? What do you desire? What do you want? Jesus looks y'all, remember it's plural, looks y'all in the face and says, what do you want? How do you answer that? Is it a thing? Is it some kind of healing for someone you know or for yourself? Purpose? What is it that you're looking for? Because we're all looking for something. We're all following, looking for something. And we often think that it's the thing that will satisfy us. If I just had that car, if I just had that boat, if I could just buy a home, and once you have the home, if I could just remodel this home, if we could just have kids, if I could just get that job, if I just got a 20% raise, if I could just be married to him, or if I could just be married to her, if I just looked like him, or if I just looked like her, if I was built like that, What do you want? Remember, staring you in the face. This is sort of like the genie, right? We've we've all seen these cartoons and you get three wishes. And now they're getting, you know, with these these genie things, they seem to be getting more and more clever with like, hey, be careful what you wish for, (laughs) right? A lot of the stories that I'm seeing now with at least my kids watching random cartoons in shows, it's like, hey, be careful what you wish for. Be very, it's like you, you have to be so precise in what you wish for because if you leave out any stipulation or something, you might end up getting something you didn't want, right? I want to be the most powerful person in the world. And it's like everybody else is gone. He, you know, they wiped out the rest of humanity. But wait, <laughs> that's not what I meant. <laughs> well, you're the most powerful person in the world now. What is it that you want? What is it that you want? Jesus says, what are you looking for? And generally, we think, what am I looking for? Well, let me think about that. And it's a self-serving, sort of self-centered, self-seeking sort of answer. How do I elevate myself? How do I make myself better? And these disciples, disciples of John, turning into disciples of Jesus, say, sort of a... They ask him a question. They've been walking with, uh, you know, John, and they know well enough now that you don't just answer questions. You come back with them. You come back with a question of your own, right? But they really want to be with Jesus, so they say, uh, well, where, where are you staying? You know, kind of caught off guard, like, oh, he saw us. <laughs> Jesus is just walking, because he's just walking by, right? And John says, 
look, the Lamb of God. <laughs> this is got to be a weird little scene right here. But this is how John remembers it. Uh, and you can just imagine John has this scene in his head pretty well down, right? Then he turned around and looked at me, and he said, what are you looking for? And we just wanted to be where he was, so we asked him where he was staying. You know, what we're looking for, we're looking to be wherever it is you are. I mean, Jesus could have said, you know, uh, you know, where are you staying? You go, well, I'm at the Radisson over in Capernaum. We'll see you over there maybe. I don't know. Well, I mean, he could have said something else. Uh, but he doesn't. Instead, he invites them on a journey. And there are no immediate answers, Right? He's asking what they want, what they desire, what they're looking for, and perhaps we should be asking what it is he's looking for, what it is he desires, right? What is it that God desires of you? We could turn around and ask Jesus the same question. What are, well, what are you looking for? What do you want? What do you desire? And this, this verse keeps coming up again and again in my life. It's, it's Matthew 9, 13, where he says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. Jesus is quoting Hosea in this book right here. Go learn what this, book, go learn what this means. This is what I want. I want mercy, not sacrifice. And I'll say, what we call sacrifice is religion, okay? What we're doing right now, this is very religious. We sing songs, very religious. We pray, that's religion. We're meeting together. You're listening to a sermon, very religious. This is all religion right here. And it's not, it's not bad, but this isn't necessarily what he wants because we can do all this, leave, and gripe at someone in the, in, the, in the lot and flip them off because they cut us off when we're trying to get out of here and we completely miss it right? Or we get to the, where we're having lunch and we completely mistreat the server, right? We totally forget that they're a human being because they took too long. Yeah, you did great with the religion stuff, but then you sucked when you got to lunch. <laughs> and what I'm looking for is mercy. Mercy. Not religion, because you can fast from Facebook and then fail to show mercy to those who are still using it and completely miss the point, right? You can fast from your chocolate and judge those who eat Snickers and completely miss the point. <laughs> or you can just be really envious and your envy comes out as judgment, right? Like, oh, I want that so bad. I can't believe you're eating that. <sighs> Jesus let me just say this. Jesus is not interested in your religion. He's interested in a relationship that would lead you to action. A relationship that would lead you to action, and that action is mercy. <laughs> so, one of the things I was thinking, you know, Jesus doesn't tend to give motivational or inspirational talks very often. His talks aren't super like, man, I just left there feeling like, man, pumped up, you know? It's, it's not, those aren't like, those aren't Jesus kind of talks. Like, 
we were at this Jesus rally, and he just pumped. I mean, the crowd was like, you know, boom, you know, like, Jesus, Jesus. You know, it, it was not, those are not his kinds of talks, right? But those are the kind of talks we seek. We, we look to be fed. We look to be filled. We want the inspiration. We want the motivation. We want to be built up because that's just our ego, and we want to be fed, and we want to know how can, I want to be inspired. I want to be moved, you know? And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. You need to be changed. You don't need to just make a bunch of changes. You need to be remade. His sermons, his talks were about reshaping, redirecting, refocusing, regrounding you in a new image completely. No, no, no. You don't just need to change a little bit. You need to change, transform, become new. And actually, all the... The way I'm going to have my, my followers write about it is I'm going to talk about how you die <laughs> and that you're born again, that you were dead in the way that you live, but you've been made alive in me. The whole of this New Testament treats you as if you have already died. When, he, when they're speaking to people that are following Jesus, they're saying, you're a whole new person. Not just that you needed to change some things about you. No, no, no. You're a whole new person from your core. Not simply some words that would inspire you about how you could be better. His message is how you can be transformed. And his question to you is, what are you looking for? And if your answer is like a better version of you, then you might be putting your ladder up against the wrong wall. Because you're going to keep climbing that ladder of a better version of you and get to the top and realize it's still, I'm still searching. It's not a better version of you. It's a completely new you grounded in this image of God that Jesus reveals. The, the Apostle Paul, he would talk about it like this. Like there's this old self and there's a new self. There's this old human and the new human. The old human is gone. The new human has come. And Jesus tells them this. Come and they will see. Now, I like to think that John had time to work on his gospel because he was older. And in these words, I think he, he chose very wisely in terms of come and you will see because it's profound. It's, it's not just that you're going to see where he's staying physically, though they did, and it was about four in the afternoon, uh, but you're going to see in a metaphorical way as well, okay? You will see purpose. You will see meaning. You will see the reign of God that is hidden everywhere, but it's hidden from your sight. Follow Jesus, and you will see. One thing about following Jesus before we close here. Uh, in our world, we no longer wonder about anything. Really? Um, I, was, I was listening to one of my friends. What was he? he was, he's a comedian. And his name's Pete. And he says, yeah, Google's pretty much like ruined our world. <laughs> and he says, no way, man. You know, people, he says, I know some of you are saying, but I love Google. 
And uh, he says, no, Google and Wikipedia have pretty much ruined our world because now you never wonder about anything. And he says, what's happened is nobody actually knows anything anymore. You just have this calculator cheat for everything. You know, you just pull it out. Where was, uh, where was Tom Pettyborn? Oh, Florida. You know, you just pull it out. Like, you have a question. It didn't used to be that way, right? Some of us remember when you actually had to just know something, and when you didn't know it, you just kind of had to live in that wonder of like, <laughs> I guess I'll know, you know, maybe someday I'm going to run into like someone at a concert, and they're going to have a Tom Petty shirt on, and I'm going to be like, do you know where Tom Petty's born? And they're going to be like, I've been to every one of Tom Petty's concerts, and I, I met his, you know, his, his band groupies and all these, you know, nobody knows where he's born, <laughs> you know, and you just have to Oh, I thought for sure you, of all people, would know. You just have to live in that wonder of, I just have no idea. But now, you can know pretty much anything, right? Uh, there's uh, my, my wife tutors a young lady, and, and she, was, uh, she was saying that when she takes her test online, could, could she just use Google to find the answers to the questions, <laughs> right? And my wife's like, no, you can't just use Google to, like, Google the answers to the questions, right? But that, that's how we think. I mean, that's how I think when I, when I think about math, at least for me. Like, why do we even take math? Like, just teach us how to use a calculator, you know? But now we can say that about anything. Why do we even take history? Why even know anything? About, I can just look it up, right? And now, I, you can bet nowadays that if... a if a prophet was standing outside and said, look, here's the Lamb of God, you'd be like, oh, let's see, Jesus, hmm, Wikipedia, it says here he's dead, you know, <laughs> right? This is how we would do it. See, the point is following Jesus is a process, and it will unfold as you do it. You don't get the answers ahead of time. We want answers right away but you're going to have to live in a little bit of wonder as you follow Jesus. I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I'm going to keep following. This is why faith is so foreign to us. <laughs> what do you mean I got like to trust that this is just going to go in the right direction or that this is somehow going to work out? Yeah, that's what faith is. <laughs> If you knew how it was going to turn out, you wouldn't need faith. You don't get the answer before the test begins, and you have to follow in order to see how it turns out. So I think many of us um, have experienced what it is to get the thing that we wanted at some point in our lives, right? You got the job, you got the partnership, you got the house, you got the new toy. Whatever we thought that it was that we really, really wanted and needed and thought was going to be the thing, at some point left us wanting, left us searching, left us seeking, left us looking, and all of it does. There's a reason why more marriages fail than make it in our country now. If you weren't aware, it just tipped 
recently in the other direction, actually more fail than make it. So if you think, well, actually, my, my relationship with my spouse, that's the thing. Really? <laughs> Odds are, not in your favor. <laughs> thing is, is we're taught that what we're looking for is success, right? What you're looking for is success. You got to make it. You got to get the house. You got to get you got to get the spouse, the job, the car, the stuff. You got to make it. And then once you've made it, then what? It was I think it was uh, the great philosopher Jim Carrey who said, "I wish that everybody would get everything they ever wanted." so that they would realize that it's not what they really want. (laughs) What are you looking for? What are you all looking for? The question's been posed to you. What are you looking for? I would submit that we don't stop long enough to even think about it. What do I really want out of all this? I'm taking cues from all these other people around me, from culture, from my neighbors, right? They just remodeled their kitchen. (sighs) You know what I really want? I really want to remodel my kitchen. (laughs) I would submit to you that if HGTV didn't exist, we'd be a lot happier. (laughs) What are you looking for? And these disciples are smart enough to say, what we're looking for is to be where you are. And he invites them and you on the same journey. Come and you will begin to see. Come and you will begin to see. Come and see. Gain vision, gain meaning, gain purpose, gain understanding. So this season, will you take Jesus' question seriously? And hold on to your own and start following him. Follow Jesus and you'll see. Let's pray. Father, we we come before you and we confess that oftentimes we are blind. And we're fooling around with religion and completely missing what you're inviting us into and a complete transformation to be grounded in you as people of mercy and love and grace and truth and sacrifice. God, I pray and ask on behalf of all of us here, Lord, would you give us strength and courage to follow after you so that we might begin to see. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.